do I look like Mad Max to you? Uh, I'm sorry, what? What? Do I look like Mad Max to you? <laughs> no, ma'am. Does he look like a feral child? No. Then why is water such a commodity here? I'll get you some water. Okay, thanks. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And we are concluding this year's sequel, Larry. It's been... A short month. <laughs> oh, that's right, because February is not as long as the other months. No, it sure isn't. Uh, much like sequels, it's uh, that's not a thing. That's not a thing at all. Sequels Everyone sh- knows the second movie <laughs> has to be shorter than the first movie. That's right. It's it's the law of Hollywood. <laughs> Sequelary is the time of the year where we review movie sequels uh and this month we have been reviewing standalone movie sequel sequels that are good on their own and we are continuing that with our review of mad max 2 colon road warrior and to me this is the epitome of a standalone sequel which we can get into a little bit later. But I've been very excited to watch this for a while. Uh, and it's interesting that you introduce it as Mad Max to Kakolin, the Road Warrior, uh, because some people, like iTunes, would just call it the Road Warrior, and other people, like the movie itself, <laughs> would call it just Mad Max 2. Yeah. So, Ricky, did you do any research about why that is? Oh, I did, Grayson. Oh, good. I was hoping so. <laughs> I'll just sign my name. Okay, great. <laughs> Group project. Um, but before we get into all that fun stuff, I did want to let you know uh, I had the pleasure of uh, being on another podcast with fellow friend of the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast and person responsible for letting Instagram know when we upload episodes, Lanisha, she started her own podcast called Speak On It, and her, Scott from NerdSync, and I talked for like over an hour about all the things that we loved about Black Panther. So if you'd like to go over there, support a new show from a fellow friend of the podcast, check it out. It's available on iTunes or wherever else RSS feeds go for things to speak on. We'll also have links in the show notes below or abstractly wherever they are during during (laughs) we'll just beam it to your brain Mm -hmm. uh but yeah definitely check that out now let's go ahead and get into our review so mad max 2 colon road warrior full current title uh is the story of mad max he just had a bad day um (laughs) Uh, It takes place in the post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland starring Mel Gibson as said uh, frustrated Maximus. And he plays a cynical drifter who agrees to help a small gasoline-rich community escape a band of bandits. Because you can't spell bandits without band. That's just word math, which is called (laughs) spelling. Welcome to Word Math 101, or you might call it spelling. You have qualified for the Word Math B. (laughs) 
So this sequel was released in 1981 uh, after the success of the 1979 movie called Mad Max. Now, the movie was renamed Road Warrior for North American distribution because uh, at the time, this movie was only really popular in Australia and the original Mad Max only had like a limited release in the US. So not many people knew it enough for it to be Mad Max 2. Remember that movie you didn't see? Come see this one. Um, but here are some flashbacks from it. And so they decided to release uh, Mad Max 2 under the just the name The Road Warrior. And so they actually don't reference Max's name at all in any of the promotions or the trailers or ads or anything. It was just called Road Warrior because it's cleaner. Uh, and then later on, uh, they added it as part of the series when it became a series. Um, the sequel, Mad Max 2, was a commercial success. And it was so successful that uh, I'm just going to tell you the data on the rentals, Grayson. All right. Uh Earning $3.7 million in rentals in Australia. And as the Road Warrior in North America, it earned $11.3 million in rentals and $23.6 million in gross sales. Now, this was originally supposed to be the conclusion of the Mad Max story, uh, where Max's fate is never truly revealed. But interestingly enough, uh, George Miller... Terry Hayes and Brian Kennedy, the people behind making Mad Max, um, had no intentions of making a third installment. However, George Miller said, you know what would be great? What if we made a post-apocalyptic Lord of the Flies film about a tribe of children living in the world who are found by an adult? And what if that adult was Mad Max? They're like, well, we're already halfway there. <laughs> to the Thunderdome! And that's where Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome comes from. That makes a lot of sense because that movie, the movie we did not watch for this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, the back half of it is all focused on what you just said about the children. The first half, though, is like all actual Thunderdome. So it makes sense how those two had to kind of coexist. But yeah, that's cool. That is uh, some history about Mad Max to Road Warrior. Before we get into our reactions, let me show you guys some fun facts. Um, so this movie Max Facts. <laughs> so Mel Gibson only had 16 lines of dialogue in the entire film. Wow. Two of them were I only came for the gasoline. Um and uh one of my favorite actors in the whole film was the dog. He was actually casted uh from a local dog pound and they just trained him to perform in the film and he was amazing. Uh, and after the film was complete, he was adopted by one of the camera operators. So I think that that's just sweet. That dog's the best. Yeah. That was my wife's favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he was just, oh, he was great. And actually one of the factors that led to using uh, the location, uh, I picked this fact out for you specifically, Grayson, because we'll make a connection later on. All right. But the reason why they chose like this out back in Australia was there was a prediction by the rainfall charts that there would be virtually no rainfall during the shoot. Uh, <laughs> but it did. It definitely did rain. Uh, and for the first time in over four years, uh, production was shut down for over a week. Force majeure. Because they got lost in La Mancha. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a bad deal. And... 
unusual for an action film, this movie was actually shot in sequence. So they shot the beginning to the end in like chronological order. I wonder what the benefit of that was for something like this. Yeah, I I, I guess less damaged cars. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes "Hmm, sense. This car doesn't need to be completely destroyed yet. Well, it's like when they bust out of the the gas camp, it like they they go past that pink car that they had torched earlier. And I was like, oh, that's really good continuity. But if they're shooting in order, like, oh, we just left it there. (laughs) All right. Don't move this uh, scorched pink car and we should be good to go. And my last fun fact um, is from my childhood. One episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show directly parodies Mad Max. And the title of the episode was called Toad Warriors. Um, The episode is where... uh, So basically the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was a cartoon show based off of Super Mario Brothers, where there is a live-action portion and then a cartoon portion. And the cartoon portion had almost nothing to do with Super Mario Brothers. And it was just Mario, Luigi, and the characters in Super Mario Brothers parodying something. I remember they did, like, a Star Wars parody. I know that they... And they did this. Um, And so the whole premise of the episode is Mario and his friends try to help a group of rebels who are trying to deliver... A truckload of tomato sauce to another compound. On his way to the starting place, Toad snags the Starman and becomes the Toad Warrior. A massive car chase ensues and Toad defeats King Koopa in a chicken challenge. And so those are some fun facts for you, but now we're going to... Max facts. And so... And so those have been some fun facts for you. Now let's go ahead and get into our reactions. So Grayson, Mm -hmm. uh, when was the first time that you watched this movie? I've only seen this movie one time before, and it was the week before Fury Road came out. I watched all of them back to back, uh, like literally back to back in one sitting. I watched Mad Max. It was a long Friday into (laughs) Saturday. I watched uh, Mad Max. Then I watched Road Warrior, Beyond Thunderdome and then waited a week for Fury Road to come out. And I I loved it. It was like, I should tell you, I, I don't often watch a full trilogy in one sitting. This I was like, I'm so fascinated by like the practical effects, the production of it, the limited dialogue, uh, and how this small Australian film becomes this mega hit in Hollywood. Uh, I'm just... I was fascinated by the whole thing. So uh, to me, Mad Max really is the epitome of like what a uh, like, I guess the word reluctant, what a reluctant hero uh, is. And so, uh, yeah, I I just, I love the characters so much. And I think the, the world is really well thought out without being overly explained. Like uh, when I started watching the second one for the first time, I was like, oh, I really didn't need to watch Mad Max. I'm glad I did, but I didn't really need to watch it because they just recapped everything with the like news footage and then clips from the first one. And that made it truly feel standalone. Uh, when you get to the third one, I don't think it's as much the case. You're kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, uh, how did everybody end up like this? Um, but this movie really is incredibly standalone. And I enjoyed it even more this time than I did watching through it um, the first time. And now having seen Fury Road, I can appreciate it even more. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a, another great thrill ride. Yeah, and this was my first time watching this movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I had never... Before 
Mad Max Fury Road, I hadn't even I think I I've heard of Mad Max just as a movie, but I don't think I've ever seen like clips or even heard of references from it. I've definitely heard Thunderdome references, but not Road Warrior references. Mm-hmm. Um and I was really impressed with this. I got after watching the movie, uh I got a lot of Western vibes. Um, and that was a really cool thing. It felt like I was watching like a post-apocalyptic Western because I was familiar more with Westerns because that's what my parents loved watching, like Gunsmoke and all these other shows about like this loner strolling into town, just trying to mind his own business, but he can't help but get involved. And then there's some big shootout and he has a checkered past and he has to come forward and, eventually make a big sacrifice am i describing westerns or logan you decide <laughs> um but yeah i i i was really impressed with that and also in my research i found that this movie is also responsible largely for the whole kind of punk rock post-apocalyptic future style like so many people reference mad max as their inspiration for having uh, the dystopian future look like these really uh, like crazy uh, punk like futuristic garb, like with the face paint and the hair and the no piece of leather being uh, connected, just cut off and shoulder pads, all this, uh, all this, that, the other. Uh, this movie is kind of like the, the nexus point for all that. Yeah, yeah, my wife was like, "Why did everybody at the end of the world just go raid a sports equipment store?" <laughs> like, Academy was having a sale, <laughs> uh, and that feral child, the little feral child, whose name was Feral Child, Feral Child, <laughs> I thought was such a great character, and then one of the twists was the guy voicing the whole thing. He really was old oh. man voice. <laughs> I thought that was so, so cool, Yeah, uh, the way that they tied that in. Because they didn't have to. It could have just been just voiceover stuff like, all right, kids, here's Mad Max. And he's like, yeah. I was that boy. It's like, oh. Set up and pay off. Set, Set up and up pay and off. Pay off. One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was the, I guess, like concept of having a post-apocalyptic world where gas is such a high commodity, but they drive a lot. Like he, like too much. Like no one in the uh, in the post apocalyptic world was like trying to conserve gas. Like no one, I saw no one driving Priuses. There are no tricked yeah. out Priuses. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? Break the world more? <laughs> At that point, no. I, my my wife brought that up a little bit too. She she was like, why why the fixation on gas? And I really do think it's because uh, mobility, the ability to go where you want to go, it just represented freedom for them. True. Um, and then in Fury Road, it's much more about survival with the water. Uh, like the, the gasoline kind of takes a, a backseat to this desire for water. Um, and right. I think that is a really solid evolution of what your needs would be because water is – they come by it like when they need to in this movie. It's not as big a thing. And the other one, people are like dying because they don't have water. Right. Um, and that would that would be how it would work. Like you would take the water for granted and you'd use up all this gas and then you'd be like, we have no gas. We'll stay here. Well, the place we're at has no water. So now we have to fight to survive. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, I, I do think it represented freedom for them, which is why it became this social currency. Hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like, an, I think maybe my favorite thing about Mad Max 2, 2 Max, 2 Furious, yep, was yep. the like how little dialogue they used there are so many scenes where they i'm just like well this must have been easy to write well and it took me back i remember in college um you were taking a writing class and one of your first assignments was to like write 10 or was it 10 pages um uh yeah it was like a a 10 page scene uh with zero dialogue yeah and I was just so impressed with that because it's there's so much information that you just absorbed from just seeing things happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I mean, granted, the movie did use the device of having a narrator, uh, but only uh, book ended the film at the beginning and the end. And that was only to give people context about like previously on Mad Max back in the habit. Um, they they didn't use it throughout the movie. And I thought that that was a really strong choice because it lets you gather information. It feels like you are max. It, it almost feels like you're a true video game movie almost mm, yeah. where like you are max and you're getting the information. Like you're observing like max is just looking out, watching uh, through his binoculars and that telescope, just seeing where people are. And then, like, waiting for his time to, like, go in and strategize. And you just start to understand his thinking um, and then the other choices that he makes uh, throughout the film. So I just thought that that was a a real fun choice, Uh, especially when, I mean, you are in such a post-apocalyptic world. Like, you wouldn't have probably a ton of conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it kind of spoke to how distant... uh, society is but whereas the people who did talk the most were people in that little civilization i thought that was really interesting kind of contrast yeah and it's interesting to see him like this because it's not like he was always this way in the first movie you see him with his wife and his child and he's a police officer like he's a he's a normal guy and things are starting to get out of hand globally with these oil wars and all that but he he seems like a fairly normal guy that's then broken. And so when you see him like this, you're like, oh, Max, you're not so much mad as you are just straight up sad, sad Max. Yeah, it doesn't flow off the tongue and it, it makes it sadder. It, it feels yeah. like a movie that you would watch with much more rain in it. I would say kind of the the range of it is you start with Mad Max, mm-hmm. then you go with Sad Max, mm-hmm. and then you have Glad Max. <laughs> But then it's a little questionable and becomes Bad Max. Ooh. And I am out of words that rhyme with ad. Well, you, you'd have to go um, into some flex rhymes um, like um, Grad Max. Oh, yeah. Max goes back to school. <laughs> now that he has all the oil he needs, he's going to go to college. <laughs> Where the real commodity is knowledge. Everyone, I want you to meet our newest student to shop class, Max. I'm just here for the gasoline. <laughs> First name, Mad. He, he does have a last name. Uh, yeah, and it, it's warrior. used Right, Max the Road Warrior Stevens. Uh, <laughs> no, his, 
His last name is used more so with Fury Road. Uh, it's Rockatansky. Max <laughs> Rockatansky. <laughs> it's true. I I don't think I've heard of more of a made-up name. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, is named Rockatansky in the in Beyond Thunderdome, so in the third one. And then they kept it for Fury Road. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything that you noticed this time around versus the first time that you watched it? I was just shocked that they got the rights to Happy Birthday. (laughs) I think it's the performance license that you need (laughs) the Mm. rights to. Mm, I see. All right. Now we're going to go dive into some headcanon. Headcanon. I'm just here for the headcanon. Just here for the headcanon. <laughs> headcanon is a part of show. Way more Scottish than it should have been. Oh, I'm just here for the headcanon. I'm just here for the headcanon. <laughs> if you could change your destiny, <laughs> would you take it? <laughs> uh, headcanon is a part of show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, so... I first want to share a piece of headcanon that a lot of people thought existed, but then was dismissed in later movies. It was rumored and speculated that the Tom Hardy incarnation of Mad Max in Mad Max Fury Road um, is the feral child. Okay, well, that was my headcanon, so... Oh, so sorry. Uh, That's right. Uh, There was a four-issue Vertigo comic series co-written by George Miller, establishing that Hardy's Max is the same character as Mel Gibson's Max. Sure, that's pretty compelling (laughs) evidence. Sure. But what about this? Sure, the author said it. But, but what if? He's like blonde. Uh, No. So, what I was going to say in defense of this was that um, the feral child... Grows up, he says that he, he leads uh, the northern tribes and that he, he grows up to become a leader uh, of those tribes anyway. But there's a huge period of time in between there where he could have wandered around and been a Mad Max type figure. So Mad Max was his hero. It would make sense that he would try to be like him in many ways. And so, as shocking as it seems like this could possibly not be true, but... Um, as little as Mad Max speaks, uh, Mad Max from Fury Road seems even less communicative, uh, <laughs> which would make sense if he were like raised as a feral child who didn't speak until he was like in his teen years. So that's why he is very different. Also, he's got a different face. I know they recast the role, but he's got a different face. So if you want to connect the two, then you could believe that the feral child grew up to be tom hardy essentially um there's also uh the issue of the car that is a big sticking point the car gets blown up in road warrior it's gone but in fury road he has the car then they they catch him they, they strip it down um what makes more sense other than oh they just forgot that they blew up the car is that the child wanting to emulate his hero, but he could have cobbled together pieces to make the interceptor or just found an interceptor. So uh, to me, it makes more sense that 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 would be the case. Also, we talked about the progression of 
uh, running out of gasoline and then running out of water. This is clearly a long time in the future that uh, people have kind of devolved to become what they are in Fury Road. You need that passage of time. And for someone who's living out in the desert, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that Max isn't aging that way. Now, I understand you could say, well, Tom Hardy's maybe took place like right after Road Warrior, uh, that it was before Thunderdome, all this kind of stuff. And sure, that that could make sense, I suppose. But isn't it interesting to think that that little kid (laughs) grew up to be a Mad Max? But it sounds like uh, the author does not agree. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry for you because it sounds like you worked really hard on that. That's right. I was, I was really excited about it. No, I, I, I think yours makes a lot of sense. And the reason why the author put it to rest only several decades later was because, you know, a new movie was out. So I think prior to the movie, actually, even with the movie, headcanon accepted. Thanks. Let me look something up real quick. Okay. Never mind. My head cannon doesn't make sense. There's no reason they would both have busted left legs. Oh. Head cannon retracted, <laughs> which is what we call a backfire. Ooh, very nice. You know, what? I'll give you the head cannon just for coming up with that backfire thing. Thanks. <laughs> Um, okay, so my head canon uh, kind of deals with another post-apocalyptic world, um, and also has to do with the uh, feral child boy uh, who later became. He said he became like president, right, Mister President? Uh, yeah, he was leader of the Northern Tribe. Okay, so he became leader of the Northern Tribe. All right, hear me out. Mad Max Fury Road. That's not the movie we reviewed at all. So in um, Mad Max 2, Electric Boogaloo, we see um, that, you know, there's been a big war for oil um, and oil is a commodity, right? Right. Lots of driving, lots of sacrifices, um, a lot of just like territorial stuff. And it also distinctly does take place in Australia. My headcanon is that um, this is happening... Um, almost as a prequel to the events that lead up to the Hunger Games. Oh, interesting. And the sequel, The Thunderdome, it's all about, you know, a group of kids who just have this, they have like two men enter, one man leaves. Like they have a game in which kids are fighting for their lives. I think that meanwhile in North America, um, where the same gas crisis is happening, um, it's affecting this uh, country differently. Uh, So if you look back at the districts in um, Hunger Games, you have, uh, I'm going to mess up the numbering of it, but you have uh, 12 districts include and the capital. So you have uh, lumber, power, Luxury, masonry, technology, fishing, transportation, textiles, uh, agriculture, livestock, grain, and mining. Forgive me if I repeated any of those things. Um, Transportation is only by train. Mm -hmm. Um, And train transportation is primarily done through coal. Uh, That means that they have found an alternative fuel source to... 
uh, what is it like the the dark fuel or, or they didn't call it fuel oil oil yeah but they called it something weird in the movie oh. like the the substance or something like that um and then the capital so the capital kind of all these other things feed into the capital and the closer you are to the capital the higher the luxuries go um i think that this is all part of the same world um whereas i think instead of australia being a part of it um that they were just kind of given up on or fallen by the wayside um and it it was just left to fend for itself which is why everything is way more primal and they do try to uh, come up with some sort of um system where these societies do try to live fine and by themselves but there's no like uh set up for them at least in this part of australia it says here that george miller said that mad max and hunger games aren't in the same universe thanks a lot uh, actually, Ricky, I'm so embarrassed by my previous headcanon. If I had just done a quick something search, it would have come up. And uh, so I feel like I have to provide a substitute headcanon in its place. Okay. So Mel Gibson is living in America. He has a family. Um, but all of a sudden, an alien invasion occurs where the only oh. way to fight them is with water. So the aliens get their butts kicked because they occupy a planet that is mostly water. Uh, But then they realize, let's just go away and take all the water. So they uh, (laughs) basically force these events to occur to where there's no more water. Uh, Lands dry up. Mel Gibson loses his family. uh, Moves to the safest place he can, which would be a continent completely surrounded by water Mm. Um, but even there it is a barren wasteland where he has slowly gone mad and wants nothing more but to forget his previous life that he lived in signs Mm. makes a lot of sense to me makes a lot of sense to me actually almost makes too much sense Grayson because my head canon Additionally, is that the reason why Max doesn't talk so much is because he can read people's minds. Oh. You know why? Why? Because Mel Gibson knows what women want. (laughs) I'm reading an article here by George Miller. says that... uh, yeah. Signs and what women want are in the same universe as yeah! Mad Max. It's <laughs> it's all connected. I mean, we mentioned that he was also a police officer before this. I'm guessing his partner was Danny Glover. <laughs> you know it. I mean, he is a lethal weapon. Oh. <laughs> or warrior. Warrior. I don't know. There's a better transition there. Head cannon. Probably something like leather weapon. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that at all. All right. Now we're going to go into a part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast remake. They already did it. Oh, uh, 
All right. Well, ah, that's never stopped us before. Let's recast this thing. <laughs> if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I've mentioned it a little bit before, but I would love to see just Mad Max continue to. Um, I would love to see like a Netflix original where he's just drifting in and out of these different towns and mm. doing some kind of good deed, but also, you know, ruining everything. I really do believe that this could be a modern day Western or modern yeah. day post-apocalyptic Western um, right. with, you know, him doing what he does best. And I just think that it would be really fun to see just like how, how technology would go in the other direction, like almost like a reverse black mirror, but with, uh, but with Mad Max kind of threading in and out of the whole thing. Yeah. Cause the end of this movie really does set up the whole franchise to be an anthology series uh, we're seeing a guy who is timeless and he lived like, don't try to chronologically piece together his adventures. These are also uh, to the credit of the, the, the timeline within Mad Max. They don't necessarily have to be 100% accurate to what he did. He's, he's a tall tale amongst the people there. So it can be embellished. He can do these crazy things it's the retelling of the adventures of mad max uh and that that has infinite possibilities so yeah i i agree a series would be uh pretty amazing yeah yeah and i think i would cast for that probably i don't know someone someone who's strong um who has the body type uh to you know, take on someone like that. Um, sorry, excuse me. Someone to take on the city. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I had to yawn. Um, P- pardon you. Yeah. So, I would probably um pick Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think he. I think he'd do a really great job. I'm just here for the gasoline. <laughs> and then he he wouldn't need a car. He'd just run everywhere. My Tom Cruise impression is me just saying a thing <laughs> slightly more quickly than I would. And my impression is just running uh, as fast as humanly possible. Um, unrealistically fast. <laughs> He's just driving through the desert. How about you? Uh, so... I had written out Josh Holloway, played Sawyer on Lost, and as you were speaking earlier, you mentioned Wolverine. I deleted Josh Holloway and wrote Hugh Jackman. Uh, I mean, he's already Australian, right? Yeah. Oh. I believe so. I want to say yes, and I'm going to say yes. Oh, good. He's got the physique for it. He's got the intensity. Um, I just, I think he would knock it out of the park. Um, and then for the helicopter pilot, I would cast Stephen Merchant, and ah. then I would just be watching Logan again, which is okay <laughs> with me. That's true. That is true. Actually- and then for the feral child, um, I think it'd actually be interesting to do like a um, like a reverse cast on this one, mm-hmm. uh, like a gender reverse cast. Um, oh, I thought where- like age reverse, where you. 
It's <laughs> yeah, it's just an old man who's <laughs> living in a, a dirt tunnel. No, uh, and have Daphne Keene play uh, the mute feral child. And if you're not familiar with uh, Daphne Keene, uh, she played Laura, and you'd be watching Logan again, which is okay oh, with me. Oh, nice. So we got an Australian who's lost all of his friends living in the desert with a gangly guy played by Stephen Merchant and a mute who has not assimilated well into society. Is it Mad Max or is it Logan? It's too close to call. Or is it Mad Max or is it Logan or is it Thor Ragnarok? I think it's Logan. Yeah, you're right. It's Logan. I oh, okay. Just, <laughs> I just threw that in there because I found out Chris Hemsworth is Australian. Oh, yeah. And I could just you know shoehorn him in there. Okay, now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Mad Max 2 or Road Warrior? Well, I would recommend both those films you just named because mm-hmm. uh, it is a very real feeling film in a very fantastical circumstance. What I mean by that is the explosions are practical, the sets are real. Uh, it's got this grit to it that you you don't get the feeling that you're watching something composited on a computer. Like it feels like it's all happening within the frame, uh, and that that's really exciting to see in an action film like this. The story is uh, really interesting. I mean, especially if you don't see the first movie, you kind of have all these questions about where he came from, and you actually get to experience the movie more so from the point of view of maybe one of the, um, like the village people that, not the village people, not the village people, but the people in the gas town um, where they don't know a lot about him. Maybe they're distrusting. He could be a bad guy. Um, and so his character has has a lot of layers to him that is it's fun to peel back. And um, even uh, when he seems like this gruff exterior, he's still, like shares the happy birthday uh, like music reel with the feral kid and it becomes like the kid's favorite thing. Like he, he has a soft side to him back from when he himself was a father. So uh, there, there's just a lot happening with him. I, I think it's uh, just an 80s-tastic film as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about that with Labyrinth where it's just like it feels so in the time period, but at the same time, maintains that futuristic vibe as well, uh, that, that post-apocalyptic future. Uh, and you buy into it. You, you see how a society, given these problems, could you know become this uh, and, and could just fall backwards so much. Um, and it says towards the beginning, like, this is the tale of how a hero learned to live again. And it states the thesis outright, and it it delivers on that. So I I really appreciate just the the arc that this character goes through. Um, It feels authentic because, like, Max at the end of each movie always has to walk away into the sunset. uh, And very much the Western style that you were talking about. And ultimately, if you wait all the way through to the end of the credits, it's one of the only movies I can remember where they ran out of credits but still wanted to play the music so they just put on the screen exit music (laughs) so that's something new but overall great movie 
Uh, standalone sequel. If you've never seen another Mad Max film, you could jump right into this one and you would be just fine. You wouldn't miss a thing. So uh, that is just a testament to the storytelling to create a self-contained sequel that still builds and connects while also uh, maintains that standalone status. Oh, yeah. Well said, sir. Um, Yeah, I would say that uh, Mad Max 2, Max Night Rises was um, really a great action film, like you were saying about the action, because, you know, it was shot chronologically and it wasn't done. Like, I don't think there was a single uh, VFX, like, I don't think a single thing was, like, composited in. Like, they just did it, just like, all right, well, guess we got to blow up this car or like turn out like a lot of the stunts in this movie um some of the sweetest shots were just things that they got by accident because they're like oh this thing was supposed to happen but then this thing happened and that's great and the film was rolling mm-hmm. uh so it's just one of those you f- you really do feel the tension of what's going to happen you feel the tension of the action too because you're like oh well this feral child is on the roof of a moving car they're not faking that and the feral child signed that waiver (laughs) um but like they they do a lot of really really cool things and uh but they also do this thing that uh we've talked about with our improv background about show don't tell Instead of telling you with voiceover, like, well, Mad Max sure was thinking about something, but something had to be done, so he did this. Or it's like a Dukes of Hazard voiceover. <laughs> well, mad Mad Max. Why is he always so mad? Well, Mad Max better have a set of wings on that car, otherwise he better get his arms to start flapping. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the only Dukes of Hazard thing I can remember. Um yeah. That doesn't have to do with the Confederate flag. Um, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but back to Mad Max. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I really appreciated what risk this movie took with just like just showing really cool things and not relying so heavily on dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like, it's just a really great post-apocalyptic western. So if you're looking for that and some action and um, 1981 Mel Gibson. Uh, this movie has all of those things. You comprise a very specific list. (laughs) Yeah, but here you go. I think the only thing they didn't show was that he was just there for the gasoline. They told us that. Yeah, yeah, no, they they did. Twice, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. twice, which was enough. (laughs) Which was one-eighth of his dialogue. But he just forgot his lines like, I'm here for the gas. Uh, that's not the line, but go with it. You're doing great, Mel. You're doing great. If you forget the line, just say you, you're only here for the gasoline. You're just here for the gasoline. <laughs> okay. All right. So that has been our review of Mad Max 2 Winter Soldier Fury. <laughs> Let us know what you remember most about Mad Max Uh, Or if you remember the movie as Mad Max 2 or The Road Warrior, let us know on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks or alternatively, um, Callback Cinema. That's our Australian name. Uh, That's that's what we're Callback Cinema. Callback Cinema. 
thanks for uh, being a listener and uh, putting up with probably my terrible accent. I'm so sorry. I just feel like we're going way too Scottish. <laughs> Uh, and it would really help this show out if you could leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Really lets people know that this is the only place on the internet where sequelary is a thing. I looked it up, Grayson. We're cornering the market. Oh, wow. <laughs> Still getting a lot of Scottish, Grayson. Oh, oh wow. There it goes. Uh, leave us a review uh, telling us on a scale of... On a scale of mad to glad, Max, uh, <laughs> what did you think of our review? Don't get mad, Max. Get glad, Max. <laughs> Show me or, the glad, Max. Or on a scale of one to five boomerang fingers, uh, <laughs> let us know. Just hold them up. Hold, hold them in your palm. And that brings sequelary to a close this year. But it just got here. I know. But we'll be back next time. With some more regularly scheduled, uh, non-sequeled, uh, retro movie reviews. So, be sure to tune in right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. And so ended the review of Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. As for me, I grew to manhood, and our leader, Ricky, well, that was the last we ever saw of him. Wait, wait, what? He lives now only in my memories. Oh no, I always feared this day, Grayson. Don't tell me I'm a figment of your imagination! <laughs>